welcome to In The Rising Podcast. My name is Bettina and this is the platform I've chosen to talk about living a life that is in alignment with your hopes, your dreams, your goal, and your vision, and basically moving the needle forward, walking away from shame, blame, and using the trauma and experiences that you've gone through to change your life for the life you want to live. And my guest today is Liz Bendit, a four-time cancer survivor turned cancerpreneur. I'm really excited for you to hear her story. Well, so I'm super excited to talk to you today, Liz. Um, You reached out that you are a four-time cancer survivor turned cancerpreneur. And I'm really excited because not many people go through this four times, let alone once, twice. Yeah. And, you know, I get, not everyone gets to see you. I get to see you right now. And you have a huge smile on your face that's up to your eyes. You are definitely um, in a different place than what someone would think of immediately with four-time cancer survivor. How do you feel that you've gotten to this point today? Uh you know, I, I wish there was a silver bullet, right? It would be so nice to say, well, it's all that chocolate, you know, like it would just be so nice if there was just a, you know, a singular solution. And I, I don't think that there is one. I think it's a combination of things, right? So first and foremost, I have a phenomenal family. I have a phenomenal, I'm so incredibly lucky. Um, I live in the same city as my parents who are both active and healthy. I have a wonderful husband and supportive kids and, you know, in a, in a really phenomenal friend community. So let's start with, I'm emotionally supported really well. Um, and I can't even imagine going through the things I went through if you don't have that emotional support. So let, we'll start with that. Like that's the baseline. Um, and then from there, I think other things that are really lucky about my experience, I mean, in retrospect, I've been diagnosed with cancer four times before I was 50. So I was young from a cancer perspective. And, and a lot of times, you know, when we see a lot of statistics about cancer, various cancers, they include everyone that's ever had that cancer. And if you look at it, the vast majority are over 60. So when, when, they, when you look at treatments and outcomes, you're looking at a population of predominantly senior citizens. So um, I was very lucky in some ways to go through all of my treatments when I was young and healthy. Um, because it only gets harder as you get older. You know, we all, you're a physical therapist. We all kind of fall apart. Um, it's sad, but true. <laughs> Time makes it all dry. Uh, so I'll start, you know, so that's the second one. The third one um, is I do think, um, and certainly over the course of my cancers, I got better at this. I learned to be my own advocate. And I see so many patients that treat their doctors like medical overlords. And, and, and what's even more frustrating is there are some, there's a, there's a portion of doctors that really like to be medical overlords. And, um, and that just doesn't work for me. (laughs) I want to be, I want to have a conversation. And, And I do think the more I got cancer and realized it's treatable, it's not a death sentence, it's often treatable, then it becomes a conversation about what is the combination of surgeries, treatments, both, you know, what's going to be palliative, what's going to cause, you know, side effects, what's going to, what is going to give me the best um, long-term life outcome and comfort life outcome. And, and I do think that so many patients, especially if they've only had one cancer, and I don't mean to be belittling of that, 
on your first cancer, the only thing you think about, or at least I thought about, and I see in the cancer community is you think about whatever it's going to take to give me a long life. And so as a result, um, even though a, a treatment or a procedure or a medication might um, extend your life a little bit or have slightly better odds, but it gives you, you know, a two mile long list of side effects to me, that, tr- that trade-off is not worthwhile but I, over time and ever after having survived cancers, I have more confidence in my ability to overcome it. And so then as a result, I'm more careful and thoughtful about what I agree to put my body through. So, um, and I don't mean to sound at all like I am um, dismissive of traditional medical care. I love my oncologist. <laughs> my radiation oncologist is phenomenal. My surgeon, I mean, I am all about, you know, maximizing the traditional medical treatment. So I am not like what's her face who is out there pitching coffee enemas as an alternative to chemo. Sadly, I think that that's not real. Um, wouldn't it be great if it was, but I, the the medical literature, I I believe in science and, and, and all of that, but I, I do think that sometimes we get really, um, focused on what is going to give us the longest life possible, but not think through the most comfortable life. Um, and so I've gotten better at balancing those two things. And as a result, you know, you, you can see, I feel pretty healthy. I think I'm good. I just had my five-year checkup and I'm cancer-free for five years, which puts me in a whole other category, which is pretty awesome. Feel It's a good feeling. Like I made good choices, but I, I feel good about that because I made those choices and they weren't made for me. Does that make sense? So, I mean, it's a combination, right? Yeah. I'm really glad you pointed out number three, which is be your own advocate. Um, Just from my side of the fence, uh, hearing people that I would work with, my clients would often just refer. Well, someone said this, someone said that. What do you think? And ultimately, every practitioner may have a lot more knowledge about X, Y, and Z than the next person, which is why you labeled all those different people in your journey. But none of them have ever been you. Yeah. Right. You have lived all of your life in your body and advocating for yourself, asking questions and learning more what's important for you um, is so critical. It really is. I mean, and the, the best example I can give um, is when my third cancer was not life-threatening, it was basal cell carcinoma. Um, what sucks is that it was on the very edge of my, the bridge of my nose. And, um, you can't see very well. (laughs) The lighting is very excellent in this video, but, um, I am very freckled. And so, um, the, the spot that they had to remove was bigger than my face realistically could cover. So, traditionally what a plastic surgeon would do is they would take a chunk of skin from your neck and relocate it to your nose. But for me, it would look like Rudolph red nose. It would just look crazy. Like I would look like I had a patch on my face. And so then they had to look at alternative ways to close the gap on my face. And the first plastic surgeon, um, I was referred to by my dermatologist was someone in her own practice, um, red flag number one. And then, um, and he had recommended, um, he didn't even recommend, he just said, here's what we're going to do. Like, there's no conversation. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to cut a line from the tip of your cheekbone and draw it all the way down to your chin. So I was going to have a big C-shaped scar on my face. And then that was going to allow them to move the skin around to cover the nose. And I thought, 
so I'm going to be disfigured. And he was like, well, yeah, but you know, it'll, 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 it won't be that bad. And so of course I, you know, Googled the crap out of that. And that's a pretty hideous scar and it doesn't go away. And, and people look kind of scar facey. And so I thought, is there another option? This isn't, you know, I've been through melanoma, melanoma land. They got to get that out fast. There's no time to like second guess, but basal cell it's, you know, it's, it's not fast growing and you got a sec to kind of figure out your plan. So I went to a second um, dermatologist on the recommendation of, you know, friends and family, um, the guy that was known for good faces. He does faces, faceless in the community. And I went to him and he had this much more bananas procedure where he would create the scar along the, the shadow line of my nose. And it was a two-part procedure and it was super painful. Like, don't get me wrong. I had to suffer for it. However, I don't have a scar on my face. Like it's, it was so worth that. And I, and so a, even though it was painful and I was really you know, I, I don't want to minimize it. I was in a lot of pain. I had a hard time driving. I was running around with a giant, you know, patch on my nose for a month. Um, everyone kept asking if I was getting a nose job. Super annoying. However, when it was all said and done, that was so much easier to overcome because I actively chose it. Does that make sense? As opposed to having somebody tell me, this is how we're going to do it. You know, like I... And sometimes they're right. I mean, don't get me wrong. It could have been that that was the only way to do it. And if that was it, then I would have suffered through my scar and I would have smiled over it and it would have been fine. But it's always worth checking, right? Like be your own advocate. See if there's another option. If something doesn't feel right, ask. Right. And go go with your gut. And you also said that you developed the bomb box. And I would love for you to talk a little bit because your background story that I know that the listeners don't know yet, it sounds so familiar because I've heard it from so many of my clients. Like I'm looking for something. I'd love for you to kind of go into that. Well, so my fourth cancer was breast cancer. And at that point I, I would, it wasn't freaking out, right? (laughs) It was good. Um, And in fact, if anything, that was almost a deterrent. So I, I was going through radiation treatment. And when I was going through all of the, the pre radiation meetings, they were like, you're a runner. You're so healthy. You're so young. It was really nice to be told you're so young when you're in your mid forties. Like, it's like, Oh, stop. <laughs> you're so young. And, um, so I planned all of my radiation appointments for seven 45 in the morning with no the only change to my schedule was that my husband was going to be in charge of running the morning kids school carpool. And other than that, I would go to radiation and then I would go to work and then I planned to cancel nothing. Right. So I was still troop leader for my daughter's Girl Scout troop. And I was working full time as an executive at um, a commercial manufacturing company. And um, I had a volunteer commitments out the wazoo and uh, and I did not plan to stop, right? Because this was going to be no big deal. And I was so young and I was so healthy. And um, the I didn't do anything. The only thing they told me I needed before I started was, was uh, aluminum-free deodorant. That was it. Um, and so I went to Sprouts and I shopped the holistic deodorant aisle and I spent $200 on holistic deodorant, none of which actually was an antiperspirant. So that was a fun trial and error. And then, um, yeah, but I, it was all kind of like, well, if this is my worst complaint that I can't find a good aluminum free deodorant, I'm getting off easy. Right. Um, and what happened is after about two weeks, 
around the the second week mark, um, I ran a 10K. Um, and I don't know if it was a, the running of the 10K, um, that's about six miles, and like a little race. Um, but I was a little overheated and I could not get the burning to stop. Like I, all of a sudden I was in a lot of pain because it never occurred to me to slow down. Right. It didn't occur to me that like, maybe this wasn't the best idea. No one in the oncology practice told me to slow down. They were like, great, go live your life, make, go run. Good for you. Woohoo. Survivors. Yay. And, um, so yeah, I was in a lot of pain. And then that was a turning point where all of a sudden I couldn't stop the burning. I was in a lot of pain. It was very debilitating. All of a sudden the fatigue kicked in. I felt like a weight was on my head and back all the time. Um, any like then I started having all these. So then you realize you need stuff, right? Like you're saying. So the stuff you need, I couldn't wear a regular bra. Um, I had a lumpectomy, I did not a mastectomy. And so as a result, you're supposed to be able to go back to your regular bras, but all my regular bras are underwire bras. And you can't really see this on the podcast, but these girls need a bra. <laughs> I don't have that physique where you can just run around with that one. That's not a thing. Um, so what, so all of a sudden, of course I need wire-free bras that aren't too tight, but just tight enough. And so now I'm like on Google, on Amazon shopping for a bra alternative and I'm, you know, paying $25 overnight shipping fees for $12 items. You know, I'm just, and, and luckily at least I am in a position where financially that wasn't going to ruin us, but plenty of other people aren't. Um, and so, and I'm just, so everything from the bras to like the weight of my arm really hurt my side. And so I was constantly looking for a pillow or some kind of lever that would keep my arm, the weight of my arm off of my chest, or like even just the weight of clothing hurt. And so, um, then it was, it was in the middle of winter in Kansas, by the way, it's cold. And I was looking for like really lightweight clothes, but they were also long sleeve, like, you know, these like really specific requirements. And then, um, like the seat belt and wearing a seat belt, it chafes right against your tender part of your chest. So I had a, like a specialty pillow that you stuck in between your seat belt to separate. So there's, I mean, all this stuff. Oh, oh, ice packs, right? Ice packs that aren't going to leak through your clothes because you need them all the time. Um, they say, you know, however many hours on and off, but that's whatever. We all just wear them all the time. That's, you know, this, right. Um, lotions that are actually, that are high, like high absorption lotions so that they don't stick to your clothes. I mean, so just everything, all this stuff. And I was like, where is radiationrelief.com? And it did not exist. It just doesn't exist. It's not there. So, um, and the other fun thing, fun fact that I've learned since then is that um, Google deprioritizes product listings related to healthcare searches and it prioritizes content. And I think that's in, it's intentional, right? They're trying to make sure that they don't mis mistakenly um advertise, give advertisers the opportunity to break HIPAA laws, right? So, I mean, it, it's it's not evil. It's it's just, and the unintended consequence though, is that as um, someone searching for this stuff and looking for these things and searching for these keywords, all I'm getting are just generic articles from like WebMD and MD Anderson. And I don't need to read about radiation treatment generically. I need a lotion that will be palliative for radiation burns, right? Like, and that's what, was so hard to find. And I thought this, it should, there's an opportunity here. I'm in marketing. I mean, this shouldn't be this hard, right? Um, and then, you, you know, and then you buckle that against all these friends and family want to do something, right? They want to, they want to be helpful. 
And what they do mostly is bring food. Um, and don't get me wrong. It's great. It's really nice to have everyone fed. Um, but you know, like you don't get to choose your own menus and you're kind of like stuck with whoever and you get lots and lots of lasagna. And I don't know, like, I, again, I don't want to complain because it's so nice and well-meaning and no one wants to be the asshole, right? That's like, mm, I got so much free food, but it's not the best, right? It's just not. Um, what would have been helpful is ice packs that don't leak through my clothes and burn bombs mm-hmm. and, um, you know, childcare and laundry, right? Like those are the things that you actually need. And so um, I had this thought, well, one, self-care shouldn't be so hard. And two, gosh, wouldn't it be great if gifting were functional? And mm-hmm. then I thought, well, why can't that be the same thing, right? Um, why why can't I buy myself a care package? I can't. So that was the that was the ideation behind the bomb box. Um, and then you know, and I, I, it's been in the back of my mind since 2017. Um, but of course, you know, life gets in the way and you just, and there is an enormous pressure to just get over it, right? Mm-hmm. Just move on. And, um, and I did. And, but it was always just nagging me. And then the beauty of the pandemic for me was it gave me all of a sudden this like super crazy, busy lifestyle just ground to a halt. And all of a sudden there was no volleyball to drive to or orchestra concerts or tennis lessons or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, all of a sudden our calendar was free and gave me this amazing opportunity to really invest, like investigate, is this a real business idea? And so I'm in marketing. So the first thing I do is I write a survey um, and the survey had two paths. So one path went, um, if you've had cancer in the past or, and, and, or done radiation or chemo, you know, it, you, it takes you down one, took you down one path. And if you never purchased a gift for someone who has cancer in the past 18 months, it took you down another. Um, and I sent it to friends and family and posted it to Facebook and LinkedIn and, um, thinking, okay, if I get like, you know, 50 responses, that would be just directional and helpful. It went viral and I collected almost 600 responses. and. What was amazing is that people were giving me such thoughtful, really good granular feedback who I have no idea who they are, right? Like they're a friend of a friend of a friend, like at that point. And um, so that was incredible. So a couple like fun facts and learnings from that survey. One, over 70% of adults have purchased a gift for a cancer patient in the past 18 months. 70%. Mm -hmm. Like that blew my mind. I thought it would be like 20, right? Like I had no idea it was so common. Um, and then the second, when you ask cancer patients to rank order, well, they didn't rank order. They had to rate, um, a series of, you know, at the time I was, I had like 50 items that I said, okay, here are different things that could go in a cancer care package. And, um, the top five items were palliative. They were functional ice packs, lotion, lip balm, essential oils. Um, like, I mean, really useful stuff, right? Um, the bottom performers, the absolute worst performing stuff, kicking cancer tote bags, kicking cancer coffee mugs, worry stones, books of inspirational poetry. And if you look at like the majority of like these cancer care packages, which are promote for the most part sold on like Etsy, what you see is a lot of the kicking cancer tote bag stuff. And I'm telling you, nobody wants it. And yet that's what's being bought. Like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So that I thought there's that market opportunity, right? There's an opportunity to fix something that's broken. Um, and, and that was the genesis. That is a cool, that is, and that's great that you're, you know, I think things happen for a reason that you're in marketing, 
you know how to go about <laughs> getting <laughs> some answers to where this this need is. And you know, as I'm listening as a physical therapist, yeah, I knew week two is going to be different. You know, and and that's yeah. where I think also feeling this community of of people that you're not being told you're not alone is not always helpful. <laughs> it makes you feel more lonely, but um, that these are, we're not being told, we're not telling people that A, B, and C are likely to happen as in 80% of the time. So you don't have to be afraid of having this happen, but you can have those lotions, that aroma. Being prepared helps you deal yeah. with pain. Um, yeah. And instead of yes. the shock of having it happen and being unprepared, yes. it perpetuates fear. I'm and, a planner. I am yeah. just like, I've got my list and I plan and we go on vacation and there's like check marks of things to do. And mm -hmm. um, <laughs> we were, we were in Montana and uh, about to go visit a national monument. And there were things around there that I had written down that we should go look at as well. And it was, it was a bit of a long drive and we got in the car and got a little bit away. I'm like, Oh no, I forgot my list. How are we going to have fun? And the kids just made so much fun of me. Like, oh, how could we possibly have fun without a list? <laughs> so yeah, as a planner, like, just like you said, it was, if I know to plan ahead for something, I can, you know, I can be prepared for it. Um, but being told that I'm young and healthy and I'm going to sail through, then it puts pressure on me mm -hmm. to be young and healthy and to sail through and then feel that much worse when I'm not sailing through and I'm struggling, um, and not really, and, and wanting very much to not show that I'm struggling. And, and I think, and, or ask for help because I feel like, well, gosh, I'm, if this is, people must have it worse than me because I'm supposed to be the no big deals patient, right? Like, I, mm -hmm. I think that that's the hard part. Yeah. So I, I know, I think that if you have a box ahead of time sitting in front of you with all these items, and by the way, there's nothing like that says you can't use. I mean, I've got this phenomenal lotion. Um, I had a, I mean, it was been super fun. One of the things you know, as the planner and the researcher. And when I was in my like deep Google research, I ended upon some um, medical journal articles because I was looking for what is the ingredient that is going to, that I'm looking for in a lotion that will be a burn, right? That will be, that will help me with my burns because it's the burning sensation that was just so difficult. And it turns out that there's actually some really interesting medical research on the use of calendula oil mm -hmm. as, um, as a, as something that helps burn victims, it helps take the sting out of burn for burn victims. And so then of course, when I have that information, now I'm looking at all these different, um, lotions that have calendula oil in them. And which one has the highest concentration of calendula oil? And I finally find a really fabulous lotion and I, and it's so expensive. It's so expensive. It was like $45 for the little bottle and it was worth every single penny. And it was amazing. And it made such a difference. And then all along, I was thinking to myself, this is crazy. How come I didn't have this from the beginning? Like I'd be slathering myself with this stuff. I would have bought 14 bottles of it. Um, and so I shared that information with a friend who actually has a holistic organic um, skincare line. And she created a botanical burn bomb for the bomb box based specifically on that feedback. And it has the highest concentration of calendula oil in it. And we even got to test it with some radiation patients and they were all like blown away by how great it was. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm very like, I'm very proud of that, right? That's a great collaboration. It's super fun to work with another small woman-owned business on, you know, that's local, right? All of that's positive, but that it's thoughtful, right? That it's based on research, that it's thoughtful, that it's not just a bunch of stuff that smells good, right? It makes like, a difference. 
yeah, it was really carefully curated and, and, and created. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And so you have also, um, you know, it's the bombbox.com and you can sign up for that. And then I was not, you know, can you kind of describe, I was not fully clear because I looked at it and I was so into reading about it that I did not fully get this answer before this podcast. That's um, okay. <laughs> um, do you, as a, as a person signing up, do they get one box? Do they get two boxes? Like one and it's a such follow-up? a good question. No, it's such a good, when I originally thought about the bomb box, I was thinking it would be a short-term subscription process, right? So that you could get boxes over the course of your treatment. But then as I was developing and curating the product line, I thought, well, what if someone just wants a one-off box? And, and if they want to gift a box, which box would they gift? And if I'm a gift buyer, do I know exactly where my friend or family is in their treatment plan? Maybe not, right? And so you can order a three-box radiation subscription product, or you can buy singular boxes. And then my most popular product is the cancer care package, which is just the generic all-purpose, a little bit of something for every stage in your cancer journey box. Um, and so, and, and they're all good depending on where you are, right, in your journey. Um, and then we are, I don't know when this podcast will launch, but um, we're really close to launching. So maybe it's like, no, um, our chemotherapy um, subscription product line, which then also you'll be able to purchase pieces of in individual boxes. Um, if you just want a one-time, like if all you're doing is suffering, for example, from nausea or like neuropathy, we have mm-hmm. the, we'll have the Nixing nausea box and the um, neuro box. But if you want the subscription package that kind of covers the whole gamut of chemotherapy side effects, then um, they'll be up to like a five box subscription. So again, with some amount of ability to kind of um, to, to personalize it, right? So if you want, depending on what your treatment plan is, you can say, I want this many boxes and I want them spaced this many weeks apart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, trying to kind of provide that flexibility. So that we're very excited about that. Also based on research, right? So I'm big big fan of research before we invest in a new product line because it's risky. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm very excited about it. Sometimes you have conversations with people that you know are changing the world right now, and we just don't know how big this is going to be, but you know it's big. And that's how I felt with having this conversation with Liz. She is making a difference to help women as they're going through their struggle, especially with radiation, what to do, what gift to have, how do you give something that is valuable to the person at that moment? And not that lasagna and anything else isn't valuable, but we need other things out there. And so she's using all of her marketing experience to market to people today. So if this podcast was beneficial to you, I encourage you to share it with someone that you think it would really help. I also encourage you to leave a review. It does so much for this podcast. It puts this into the ears and the network and the searchables for people that really need this sort of information. And until next time, let's keep building one another up.